Well, good morning. <laughs> Thank you, Darren. Hope everyone's doing well this morning. In case you're wondering who I am, my name is Matt. I'm one of the pastors here at Cornerstone Church. I'm our Okatee campus pastor that we launched back in September. And so uh, if you've joined us in the last couple of months, uh, just know that the Okatee campus is real. It's really there. Uh, we meet every Sunday morning at our River Ridge Academy, and they have been a tremendous host to us, very generous towards us, and uh, we're just thrilled to be able to help spread the gospel in the low country through that effort. Thank you for supporting uh, our campus effort, for uh, spreading the word as we launched and continuing to just help our church uh, live and grow and be active right here in Bluffton. I want to welcome those who are joining online as well who maybe haven't uh, been a part of uh, Cornerstone or haven't seen me since joining or you're checking out the church for the first time. It's such a privilege to be able to share from God's Word with you today. So um, if you have a copy of God's Word, why don't we go ahead and open up to the book of Ephesians together. We're going to go to ch- Ephesians chapter 1. It's kind of towards the back part of the New Testament. Um, if you go, it's in the, in the, the epistles of Paul um, after the book of Galatians, before the book of Philippians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. And we're um, going to be concluding our series, Prayers of Paul, uh, this week. And so if, if I'm just being really honest, that's usually how I am. That's kind of how I roll. Um, I, I have never really felt that I am all that great at prayer. Does anybody resonate with that? Like, I just feel like it's, it's something that has taken me a long time to feel like uh, I even um, understand how to do it at this point in my, in my life. Um, I've been following Jesus since I was about 14 years old, and, and I, I, a lot of my prayers, you know, over the years have been kind of, you know, kind of selfish. Um, I've prayed at various points in different sports contests that certain outcomes would happen. I'm sure there were a lot of Carolina fans in the room that were praying yesterday for uh, the old scarlet to win, the garnet. I don't know what color that is. There's a jersey in the back, but yeah, you were probably praying yesterday that that score would hold up, yeah? And I know uh, there's been a lot of prayers answered for that Michigan victory, which I'm a little, like, surprised so many people from Michigan, like Michigan fans. There's a lot of, I think there's a lot of betrayal in the Ohioans in the area, because I think there's some Ohio people I'm not even going to say it because I know that's anathema, like, to be from Ohio and to say that. But I'm just saying, like, I know how many people are from Ohio in the room. So I'm from Virginia. We, don't, we just don't have good football teams. So um, no SEC football, right? No Big Ten football, nothing like that. So, um, so, I mean, you know, I've prayed for, like, stuff. You know, when things, have, when things have been difficult, there's been a lot of times I've had to pray, God, would you provide but I just feel like sometimes like, like prayer has always kind of felt like a mystery a little bit to me. Uh, and I've never really felt like I've, I've understood the full weight of it. For me, when I was thinking about this, it kind of reminded me of my relationship with the public library. Does anybody here have a library card, like as an adult? Like, yeah, right? Like we all pay taxes, and those taxes support the public library. So, like, it's something that we have access to, and, like, we should feel free enough to, like, go and take advantage of, right? And as long as you check out your books and take them back on time, like, it's a pretty good deal. 
Except for my family, like I feel like I'm single-handedly supporting Beaufort County sometimes with the library fines that I get to pay back on books that my kids check out. But I digress. They're not here today, so don't tell them I said that, okay? No, I've never really felt like um, I've taken full advantage of the public library. Like I've gone and gotten a a, a library card, uh, even here in Beaufort, and I got it so that I could access the Hoopla app. You ever heard of Hoopla? It's kind of like free Kindle books, right? Like free eBooks to be able to read, check out from the library, and they take them back after a while. Whatever. I don't know how they take them back, but they do. And um, so I, I went and got my library card, and this is this is how this is how this went. I'm a little I'm a little ashamed to share this. It took me so long to get set up with Hoopla that my library card expired. Right? Like, <laughs> I don't even, I, didn't, I, I only had to go to the library one time. I didn't have to, like, go back to the library to do it, right? Like, I just, I've never really taken full advantage, taken full advantage, taken is not a word, taken full advantage of the public library. And, and I feel like at times of my life, I have not taken full advantage of just what's available to me simply through prayer and in growing in my prayer life. And I wish that, that I had just learned and taken more seriously the, the opportunity that's there for us when it comes to prayer. You see, I believe this, that prayer affords the people of God access to the power of God to accomplish the purpose of God in the world. I believe that prayer is the key. It's not that you earn the ability to like do things through God because you pray. No, no, no. God uses prayer to shape us and to mold us and to push us and to keep us moving forward. And so prayer, it actually opens up the door for us to all that's available to us, like the public library. Like when you have a library card, there's all these books that are just available to you, and the knowledge and the entertainment, whatever you want to read, nonfiction, fiction, magazines, whatever it is, so much is available to us, right? If we would simply go and get the library card. And a lot of us are, are you're like me. You've got the library card but never accessing what's available to you. And I believe that comes through prayer. Because what this does is prayer actually gives us the opportunity to align ourselves with God, to align ourselves with His heart, to to take ourselves out of the position sometimes we like to put ourselves in as the Lord of our own lives and recognizing who our Father is. Prayer affords the people of God access to the power of God. It's something that you have, but you got to use the card to access it so that you can accomplish and I can accomplish the purpose of God in the world. Over the last few months, and my prayers have just been answered, man. I've seen God move in so many ways. And over the last few years, I've seen God just move in so many ways. And I firmly believe that the more that I grow, the more that I lean into prayer, the more that I seek God in prayer, the more and more He's going to just show Himself to me. And show himself to us. And I believe this is what Paul kind of lays out for us. That he shows us is what's available to us just in the way that he prays. It's not that he specifically says do these things. It's just you see how much prayer has influenced Paul's view of God and Jesus and what God is doing in the world. And so... Maybe you're here and you're like me and like, it's kind of like you in the public library, right? Like you, you, you know about prayer, but you've never really accessed prayer on that level. Or maybe you're here and you're a skeptic and you're just figuring out this Jesus thing. Maybe you've just recently started believing in Jesus. 
And I want us all to just kind of open ourselves up to like, man, God could take our prayer lives from, from like point A to point B and to see what God would do in that and to continue to grow us over uh, the course of time as we pray and learn how to pray. So let's look at Ephesians chapter 1. So you can turn there. I'm not going to start reading quite yet. I just want to set up what's happening here in, in the first part of Ephesians. So we're, we're going to look at starting in verse 15. But what happens in verses 3 through 14, Paul is kind of laying the groundwork of what God is doing like in, in the world, like this big purposeful thing. You've got to remember, like this is, this is just a few decades, like maybe two decades after Jesus um, was here and was alive and, and, and died and rose again and and the gospel is moving and it's spreading and Paul is a part of that work. And a big part of what God is doing is he is uniting all things under Jesus. That's what Paul says in that first section of chapter 1, that, that God's great mysterious plan was to take everything and to bring it together in Jesus, in the work that he accomplished through, the, through his giving his life on the cross. And one of the big ways that we see this is in bringing together both Jews and Gentiles. For those of you to, that, that aren't familiar with like what, why we use the word Jews, like the Jews were the people in Judea that were like had possessed that land and at this time where the Romans have conquered them and the Greeks had conquered them before then and the Medes and the Persians had conquered them before them and Babylon and all that stuff, right? They've been conquered and changed hands all this time. They became known as the people living in Judea were called the Jews. And they are what's left of the 12 tribes of Israel. There's, there's like three tribes represented among them. There's the Levites who were a part of the temple structure, so there's some of them there. And then there's the uh, the, the the, the tribe of Judah, um, I don't know how you say it, I think it's Judahites, I guess would be the way that you would say that in biblical terms, but they're there, and then there's a part of the tribe of Benjamin that's there as well. And so you have what's left and maybe some, some Israelites that had scattered before but came back to the land, but for the most part, these are people who are identified as this, this group known as Judah or Judea, and they were known as the Jews throughout the world. The Gentiles are everybody else, like everybody who's not an Israelite, and even some of those people who were like half-breed people, who had intermingled with the other peoples living in the kind of the Holy Land areas, known as like Samaritans and places like that. There's really big implications here. I I don't want us to miss this because sometimes we don't read what's actually going on in the text. There is really big race relation implications here. Okay? This is an entire, these these are an entire people group, the Jews, who have become Christians and are trusting in and believing Jesus, but they have a certain way of living their life. And they think, because Jesus himself was a Jew, There are Jewish Christians who are saying everyone should live like a Jew even if they believe in Jesus. So if you believe in Jesus, you should start living like a Jew. And that means in very explicit terms that all the men, the Gentile men who were not circumcised needed to become circumcised. And this is a big deal. And for them, it was was like a we can't be unified if we don't get over this. But Paul is laying out the argument that Jesus is greater than the sign of circumcision, and everything is united in him. And we're going to see this as we move into the text. So God has revealed his great mysterious plan to unite all things in Jesus, and here Paul begins 
his prayer for them in verse 15. He says this, Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. What a challenge. Paul's first thought as he lays out the great mysterious plan of God to unite all things in Christ, the Jews and the Gentiles and all creation, his first instinct is to thank God for the ways in which the believers in Ephesus are embodying this very thing. It brings to mind Galatians 5. In Galatians 5, Paul opens up and he says, um, for, for freedom you have been set free, so why would you put on another yoke of slavery? And what he's saying is, why would you put yourself under the law? Because this issue was not unique to Ephesus, it was unique to all of the churches, particularly in places where the Jews were the minority. And so here, Paul is saying, why would you put on a yoke of slavery? Why would you want to obey the law and obey all the rules of the law and believe that in order to be faithful to Jesus, you have to obey all the rules? Why would you do that? Jesus has set you free, so don't put on that burden again. And in Galatians 5, verse 6, he says this. He says that, I have to go back to my notes. He says that the, what matters the most, the mark of the believer is no longer circumcision. It is faith working through love. And that's what we see here in Ephesus. He says, I have not stopped thanking God for you. For what? For your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere. You see, one of the ways that, that he would see this was that as Paul traveled and he went to the different places and he started these new churches and then he would visit the churches that he had started, he would take up collections to support the poor and the needy in these other places. And so what you had was new believers in these locales that they had never been to these other places and they would give and they would give generously, and they would support the work, not just the work in the churches, like our idea of church is very different than what the New Testament church was like. In the New Testament church, they took everything that they had, and they gave it to meet the needs of everyone involved, and when that ran out, the other churches were giving to support the other churches, and so he sees that. The genuineness of their faith is that they join right into that generosity, and he sees their strong faith in the Lord, that their conviction leads them to act in such a way. I, I, it's, it's such a cool thing to hear that. Like Paul sees what God is doing, and his first instinct is not to pray for their needs, but to just thank God for them, to thank God for what he's doing in them. That's so cool. He continues on, picking up again in verse 16. He says, I pray for you constantly. Asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so you might grow in your knowledge of God. Let's stop right there. He, he says he prays for wisdom and insight. Spiritual wisdom and insight. Wisdom is this. Wisdom is, is this confidence to know that they know, right? Like that when unbelief comes up or doubt starts to creep in, it doesn't shake them to the point where they can't seem to hold on to their faith. So when the, when the hard things come up, they're not so shaken that they let go of their faith, but that they would have spiritual wisdom to know and be secure 
in what they know of God as they get to know Him better. Then he says for insight. He prays for insight. In other translations, it's revelation. And it's literally this revealing, this peeling back of the things that would hide God's face from them. Like, think about all the worries in life, all the concerns that we have in life, and how at times those are the things we see, and they veil God from us. We cease to be able to see our Savior. He says, I pray that God would give you revelation, that he would peel that back, and that you would see God and know him better. He continues on, verse 18, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called, his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. I I failed to hit this, but this is such a cool thing. His holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. You see, sometimes we think about hope, and we kind of have this wishy-washy kind of hope. Like, like I hope it goes well. Like, I hope it doesn't rain today. And then if it rains, we're, we're really disappointed, right? Like, oh, it rained. And like, our hope didn't come to be. And so for us, hope is like this very, like, flimsy thing. Like, it may or may not pan out. Paul prays for confident hope here, right? And here's the confidence. Here's where we can build confidence. He says that Confident hope he has given to those he called, and those that he called are his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. What do you know about an inheritance? It's something that you get, right? For, for many of us, we might be looking forward to an inheritance, right? Like I, joked with my, I joked with my dad about this. Like my dad's got this sweet, like I think it's a 2021 Dodge Ram 1500, and it's like fully loaded. It's got the leather. It's got like the, basically a giant iPad as the center console thing. Like it's so cool to drive. Like it's a, I feel like I'm driving a spaceship. And as a child of the 80s, like there's nothing cooler than driving a spaceship, man. And so I joke with him like, Dad, just remember firstborn gets a double portion. That's biblical. Like, that's what the Bible says. So, like, that's between you and God, but double portion, firstborn son, the one that you love. So, like, like I'm getting the truck, right, Dad? So, like, I joke around with him, right? My dad's, like, in his, in his 50s, and, God, you know, God willing, he's got a long time before we have to worry about all that. But a lot of times, that's how we think of inheritance, right? It's, like, kind of what's going to happen when somebody else, like, okay, Paul says that we are God's inheritance here. That we are what God gets. Like we are the thing that God is taking possession of. Like you thought you were a rescue case. Like, you thought you were left down at the shelter, forgotten, right? Like, when you came to know Jesus, you're just a wretched sinner, all these things. God doesn't see you like that. God sees us as his inheritance. His inheritance. The thing he receives. We are a blessing to our God. How cool is that? How cool is that? I really should have hit that in the first service, man. You guys got something good, this one. Let's keep going. Verse 19, I also pray 
that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. Just what is this power? I'm glad you asked. Verse 20. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. That's even more incredible. That God raised Jesus from the dead and that power lives in us. And not only does that power bring Jesus to life, but it actually takes Jesus and puts him at the right hand of God, and that same power lives in each and every one of us, and God has put all things under the authority of Christ, and why has he done that? Why has he made Christ the head of the church? For the benefit of the church, for you and for me. Jesus has all authority for us. And our prayers are informed by all of that. So the question becomes, how then should we pray? And I know you, you might be like me, like, like, let me ask you this. When you, sit, when you pray, it's probably when you sit down to eat. So let me ask you, does it do justice to pray, God is great, God is good, let us thank him for our food. By his hands we are fed, thank him for our daily bread, amen. Does that prayer, if that's the most consistent prayer in your life, or maybe it's God, thank you for this food. Or maybe it's rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub, right? Like, does that prayer, if that's the most consistent prayer in your life, does that do justice to what Paul says is available to us right here in Ephesians? I'm going to break the tension for you. No. No. We're falling way short of the power and the glory and the riches that are available to us when we pray. So how then should we pray? Well, the first thing is this. When we pray, we pray expressing gratitude for the body of Christ. That's where Paul starts. He says, your faith working through love. That's how he puts it in Galatians, but it's the same thing here. Seeing your strong faith and your love for the God's people everywhere. I thank you. I'm so thankful for you. And I think our first instinct when we pray is, is, is typically to go like, 
God, uh, thank you for all the little things you've done in my life. Thank you for paying my bills and thank you for uh, my food and, 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 you know, thank you for allowing me to sleep well last night maybe. Or, and then we jump into the needs. But Paul starts and he says, God, I thank you for the Ephesians. I thank you for their strong faith in Jesus. And I thank you for the love for God's people everywhere. And there's something that happens when we take, we take our eyes off of ourselves and we start to look around and, and try to express gratitude for the people in the family of God. Like, have you ever, have you ever thanked God for your brothers and sisters in Christ just because they're your brothers and sisters in Christ, for their strong faith and their love for God's people everywhere? This has become so apparent to me, like just walking uh, in the path that God has, has placed us in. Like I, like I shared, I have the privilege of being the campus pastor for our Okatee campus and leading those people. And, and leading is such a strong word for what I get to do. I get to witness what God is doing in them. That's what I get to do. I'm so thankful for those people. I'm so thankful for, for we have, um, we sit on cafeteria benches at River Ridge Academy I just want to share with you that elementary and middle school students are gross. They are gross. Super gross. And sometimes when we come in and we turn the cafeteria tables into benches so we can sit and we can worship, um, the remnants of their lunches from the prior week are left sometimes. Like sometimes like, oh. And so rather than, rather than like, complain. I mean, there's a little bit of grumbling. And it's like, man, can't these kids eat any neater? And it's like, no, probably not. The motor skills and stuff like that, you know. But rather than complain and tell the school, like, you guys got to clean your tables. We've got a group of people. Some of them put on gloves. Some of them don't. And they scrub the tables for us every week. And they clean those seats so that people can come and have a seat and worship Jesus. And I'm so thankful for them. And I didn't ask them to do that. They saw a need. They started bringing stuff to do it. And every week they do it. I, I got four guys that are on my tech team. Every week they come and they run every cable and they set up every piece of technology so that we can sing and we can, we can watch the message together with you all and be one church in two locations. And they make sure that all that stuff works and happens. And I used to know how to do it. Like when we first did this, I knew every little thing. But now, <laughs> most of the time it takes me a little bit. I got to step back and remember because I don't have to take care of that. They take care of it. I'm so thankful for them. But I'm also thankful for guys like, I did this in the first service, so Jake, forgive me, but Jake is, is one of our tech leads, in the, and the, he leads our tech team here at, at Old Town. And he gets text messages from us, and we tell him, like, hey, man, fix this or that, right? So it looks good for us. And he's been generous enough to receive those text messages. But my tech guys started out as Old Town tech guys, and they came with us. So that left a gap. And it's guys like Jake and Nick who stepped in and, like, others who have taken the opportunity to step up and serve so that we could go plant a campus. Guys, I'm thankful for you because we can't do what we're doing without people here 
faithfully serving. There's youth leaders that serve my family, and they serve my daughters in ways that I can't, I can't serve them. I can't meet their needs. And they have people in their lives that are walking with them. I'm so thankful for them. I'm so thankful for this church, for you as the body of Christ who sent us out to launch something new and say, man, it may, it may work, it may not, but let's do it for Jesus. And if, and if you're sitting there and you're like, man, well, Matt, why aren't you saying my name? I mean, chances are I just don't really know who you are. That's one. But, man, maybe that's a challenge. Like, do, do something so that the body of Christ is thankful for you. Because the body of Christ is not, it's not a place. It's a people. Like, you are the church. Like, I'm, I'm excited that, like, last week we had this big vote, and it was pretty much almost unanimous. We're selling this building. Good. We're not selling you. Like, we're going to be Cornerstone Church. It don't matter where we meet. We meet in two places right now. We're still Cornerstone Church out at River Ridge Academy. And we're going to be Cornerstone Church no matter where the Lord leads us to congregate in one place. But the church is, is a people. It's not a place. So if church is something you do, church is something you go to, it's a thing to check off on your Sunday list, right? Like I went to church and I get to watch the game afterwards and I get to eat nachos later. Like if that's your checklist for your Sunday, I'm just telling you, you're not, you're not being the church. Church is not a place you go to. It's who you are. So if there's conviction in that, pray and begin to pray by expressing gratitude for the body of Christ. And then you'll see the places that you can be someone to be thankful for. Pastor Mark shared this quote last year around Thanksgiving. He said this, expressing gratitude changes the attitude. The more we express gratitude, the more it shifts our hearts, the more it changes our attitudes. And if your attitude towards church is it's a thing I go to and it doesn't have much value, you need to start expressing gratitude for it because it's going to shift your attitude towards it. If you want church to not just be a place, but to be the people, and you want to be a part of that people, start by expressing gratitude in your prayers for the body of Christ and finding ways to be thankful for their strong faith and their love for all of God's people everywhere. Second, when we pray, we pray seeking to know our God better. We pray that he would give us spiritual wisdom and insight. And there's three ways God gives us spiritual insight and wisdom. The first is through the scriptures. And when you pray, you should pray that he would speak to you through his word. Because if you want to hear from God, he's spoken loud in some places. And there's real easy words to listen to. In the Gospels, they're in red. Those are important ones. They come from Jesus. So you could begin there. But if you're not reading his word and you feel like when you read his word, you're not hearing from God, begin to pray and ask him to speak through his word. And I promise you, he will speak. He will speak. 
Every time I sit down to prepare a message, I know Pastor Mark does this, I know Pastor Jason, I know Austin. Every time we sit down to have to take on the tremendous responsibility of sharing this with you, we pray, God, would you speak through us, not our words, but your word. Let's let's glorify your word and exalt your word. Don't let it be of us. Let it be your word. If he's faithful in answering that prayer for us, he will be faithful in answering the same prayer for you. He also speaks and will give you spiritual wisdom and insight by the Holy Spirit. And you need to pray that that the Holy Spirit would lead you. Sometimes we're living our lives as if we're the ones in charge. But here's the thing about the Holy Spirit. He's not not your ride-along. He's not a passenger. The Holy Spirit only knows how to drive. And so you've got to get out of the driver's seat and let him do what he does. So pray the prayer, Holy Spirit, would you lead me? That's why Jesus sent him, to lead us and guide us into the truth, to convict us of sin, and to help us in accomplishing the work that God has put us in charge of. Finally, the body of Christ will help you grow in spiritual wisdom and insight. So when you pray, pray that he would strengthen the church and our bond together and that you would grow because of the relationships that you have as a member of the body of Christ. And if you think, I don't have those relationships, well, it's time to get up and get involved and take steps so that you are a part of the body of Christ. That's your responsibility. That's your responsibility. And I'm going to be real honest, sitting on the staff side of things, sometimes we, we drop the ball. You fill out a form and you think that's the secret, that's the secret. The secret's not that. The secret is that you will not give up on being who you are. Don't let us stand in the way either. Seek to be what God has called you to be. Number three, when we pray, we pray to live confident in the hope of the gospel for many of us, we, we just have this, this wishy-washy hope, right? But if we remember what, what Paul has said, that we are his glorious and rich inheritance, his holy people, that, to me, man, that, that just brings up confidence for me. Like, man, I, like, like God's looking forward to getting me? Like, me? Does he know me? Like, I'm not as good as, like, Nintendo Switch, right? Like, like come on. Like, God is looking forward to us as his inheritance. And there's a confident hope, not that wishy-washy hope, right? Like, where it rains, like, I hope it doesn't rain today. And when it does, we're like, down in the, man, we're down in the dumps about it. Oh, it rained. Man, I was going to go outside, and now I'm going to get wet. Or my hair is going to, you know, it's just, it's not going to sit right. And our hope is so, it's so flimsy. But Paul says, confident hope. Here's the thing about confident hope. He writes this in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. He says this, all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. All of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. And through Christ, our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. 
That if we really believe that all of God's promises are fulfilled in Christ, it means that everything that God has promised will come to pass. Here's the thing. Our God is trustworthy. The minute one of his promises does not come to be or he has not been faithful to, he's no longer our God. He is trustworthy. He is faithful. When God is not faithful, he's no longer our God because our God is that. He is faithful. So our hope, it's not flimsy. It's not wishy-washy. We are hopeful that God is bringing his dwelling place to us. From the beginning, that's been his plan. In Eden, he made us so that we could live and walk and breathe with him and like experience life with him as his creation. And that all got jacked up, right? And then the sin enters into the, wor- the world and, and we go through a little bit of time and then he gives the law and he's trying to give this way of seeing like what it could be like if we could live with God. And in the book of Leviticus, so he's giving the law, he's giving all those instructions that we were never meant to actually uphold. He says, if you will do this, if you will, you will follow my commands, then I will be your God, and you will be my people, and I will make my dwelling place with you. And here's a beautiful thing. He sends Jesus, and Jesus provides a way for us through his death, burial, and resurrection. And in Revelation, as everything is coming together, Revelation chapter 21, it quotes Leviticus. And it says, as the new heaven and the new earth make their way to where John is, that the dwelling place of God is now with man. And he will be their God, and they will be his people. That's the confident hope that we have, that we are his rich and glorious inheritance, and that as sure as the sun rises in the east, he is coming. He is making a place for us, and one day we will live with our God. Because all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. Fourth thing, when we pray, we pray to understand the incredible greatness of the power of Christ. It's so good. I just want to read it to you again. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. The greatness of the power of Christ is that it is resurrecting power. That Jesus, though he went to the grave, he is alive again. And that not only that, he gave up his place next to God in order to do that for us, and God took him and has ascended him to his right hand. And that same power lives in you and me. So that when things look bleak in our lives, and things look as though they're dead, Jesus can bring them back to life. When things look like they're down and out, Jesus can bring them to glory. That's the power that lives in us. He prays that we would understand the incredible greatness of the power of Christ. And finally, when we pray, we pray for the whole church 
to be filled with Christ as we embody Christ in the world. It is our responsibility to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the world. It is our responsibility, no matter where we go, that we embody Jesus, that you actually bring the kingdom of God to the places that you go, wherever we are, both here as Cornerstone Church in Bluffton and in Okatee, but also to the ends of the earth through our brothers and sisters in Christ all over the world who are embodying Jesus where they are. When we pray, we pray that Jesus would fill every single member of the body of Christ. Everywhere. As he fills all things with himself. And I believe that these types of prayers, when we begin to pray in this way, it just opens up the door for what God has for us. Because I firmly believe this. Prayer affords the people of God access to the power of God to accomplish the purpose of God in the world. If you want to be a part of that, like you've been called to that. You were bought with Jesus' blood and life. And you've been given new life so that you can share that new life throughout the world until Jesus comes back and everything will be under his authority. That's the promise. That's what we look forward to. That's what our confident hope is. Hey, as a member of the body of Christ, you can't help but begin to pray these types of prayers if you want to be a part of what God is doing in the world. So let's do it. Let's pray that way. Let's, Let's pray to understand the incredible greatness of his power. Let's pray for the unity of the body of Christ everywhere. Let's be thankful for one another, for our strong faith, and our love for each other. It's how we'll testify to the world that we are his. I want to invite you to stand. Uh, We're doing this uh, thing where we just pray these prayers over our campus as we wrap up the service. I want to pray Paul's prayer over you today. And then we'll continue to worship this morning. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes, and pray with me. I pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe Him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated Him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now He is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else. Not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of us, his church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete in Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. All God's people said, amen.